Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This episode 149 seconds from 1966. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by WineMemory.com. Wine Memory is a product designed for anyone who wishes to preserve the memory of a wine. Their philosophy, in fact, reminds us that every special moment in our lives is accompanied by a bottle that will become precious and unforgettable for us. Shout out to WineMemory.com. Well, shout out to WineMemory.com and welcome to the back half of Throwback Week here on Too Fast, Too Forever. We did Spellbound on Tuesday, and now we're doing 1966's Seconds today. Uh, We are jumping ahead two decades. We're still in the olden days, in the black and white days, the all or nothing days. What what does Kurt Russell say in Death Proof? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yes. yeah. That. Before we get into extracurricular activities, we have two updates. One of which hardcore diehard listeners already know about. One that is new to everyone. Number one, the most exciting thing very is cool. we have a shop now. Yes, I'm very very excited, and um, it seems from the response that we've gotten even already that everybody else was pretty excited too. Our first ten dollar patron was. Ben Milliman, way back last June or something. Ooh. And our first sale in the store was Ben. He bought one of each of our shirts. So I was so happy to see uh, his support. I mean, everybody's That's been cool. great. We've, we've sold a lot of uh, random stuff to a lot of people. I bought stuff. You bought stuff. Very exciting. The weird thing about Tee Public, where we have... So if you want to go to the store, I realize now that we have so many different links... And also, this isn't a really great link. So if you go to our Twitter page or if you go to our Instagram, I think, I created a link tree, which I don't know if people have seen that, but it's a lot of people where uh, if you have a lot of social profiles, right, you just put everything there. So it's links to all of our different platforms. You can listen to the podcast, all of our social platforms, but also our store, our Patreon, our hub, maybe something else. I got to add our email, too. That's not on there yet. Uh, but Makes sense. Yeah. Basically, every there, everything there is everything you could possibly want to know about us. You posted the link to TeePublic, so that's up there, too. If you go to any of the socials, I'm sure you've already seen it. You'll be, you'll, you know how to find us. But the, the, the link tree thing was actually pretty cool. It's crispy looking. It's like good for your phone and stuff. It's very nice. Yeah, I think it's designed for mobile. On desktop, it's like kind of sparse, but on phone, yeah. it's great. The weird thing about TeePublic is that we can't, there's so much that we can't control. Control. The nice thing is that uh, we don't have to, like, if, if no one buys another shirt forever, and there's more than shirts, there's like stickers and every kind of merch. Yeah, like it obviously. Just, it right? slaps the logo or the design on everything. Yeah. So if you want something else, you can buy something else. But if if nobody buys a shirt ever again, it doesn't cost us a dollar. Uh, they just make everything fresh to order, which is cool. But the other weird thing about it, or the weird, the downside to it is that we can't control a lot. So the pricing, True. we can't yeah. control anything. The good news is that three times, I think a lot of the time throughout the year, like they email the store owners or whatever, but three times this month, everything's on sale, like up to 35% off. So today, as this comes out, it's the tail end of a sale. And then I think next Wednesday to Friday and Wednesday to Friday after that, a couple times, at least in December, there will be everything on sale. Yeah, so like, wait for a sale, like is what we're trying to say, <laughs> because we can't set prices. I Yeah, I was looking when I like was doing a tester one and I was like, oh, I would just turn these prices down to like the lowest possible, right? Like, because it's just like they're making these things and you can't like the craziest thing is that we can't even buy things at cost for ourselves exactly yeah there's a site that my boss uses that he has the same kind of thing where they just make everything and ship everything out like we don't touch any of it right and same thing he does but he can order he can place orders through his back end and get things at cost but i emailed them i'm like hey 
uh, it seems like this is something you should be able to do. And they're like, hey, no, you can't, but you get the margin back at the end. So like, we're basically getting a couple dollars, we're getting paid a couple dollars of money that I spent. So like, I don't know, it's just, it's dumb. PayPal's probably gonna take a cut of that. So like, it's annoying, you know, who knows, but you yeah. know. It's more so that you can buy the merch, right? Like, yes. we're, we're not we're not gonna eat off this, I promise. Well, we can pay for our, our own shrimp with this. We can yes. order one or two plates of shrimp with this. But uh, yeah, go to the Tea Public shop. Uh, the URL of that might change because it, I don't know, that, don't worry about that. But it's out there if you want to do that. The other thing, the more, the shorter thing is we have a, a minor scheduling update, correction, change from what we'll say at the end of this episode. I say that next week was going to be two different movies. Next week will instead be Paris, Texas, which you can watch on the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. uh, the Criterion Channel, and HBO Max, I believe. Oh, cool. And then on next Friday, we're doing Shutter Island. So the Nico Kevo episode of Best of Years Crossroads, we're pushing back a week. Nothing else is changing, accommodating their schedules for this week recording, next week releasing, whatever. So just wanted to let everybody know that next week is going to be Paris, Texas, and... Shutter Island, not Crossroads and Shutter Island. No new episodes this lap. It's all going to be fine. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Watch Paris, Texas. It's great. (laughs) We'll talk about it on Tuesday. Extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we last spoke? Fucking waiting for this damn Steelers game still. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we're recording on a Tuesday, which is rare because the game is literally on while we normally record on a Wednesday, which, which is the has an NFL game time. ever been on a Wednesday? There, okay, so they said this. There was one that was like on like a Christmas day or something, or maybe like one of the first games of the year. I think it's like one of very, very few games, As, and especially at 3.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't think there's ever been a Wednesday afternoon football game. And then there's like a triple header, I think, on Monday Night Football, but two games at five and one at eight, like... This last week has proven that the NFL does not give a shit about player safety or COVID. Nope. They're just going to get games done, which is pretty shitty. Like, I don't, I've been checked out of the season because the Vikings have been bad, but like, there's been something nagging at me. And I feel like I just, you know, I'm not in on foot. I mean, your team's had to know. I get it. But like, there's something about, I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't get behind something here. And I feel like this is like putting a pin on the, oh yeah, no, it's like, fuck it. We're all about whatever we can they're trying to make money i mean grant and and the thing is like you know we've been bitching about it i was bitching about the wells on twitter they're just like wildly inconsistent like if they're like hey we really care about player safety cool but they don't because they like only play some games only let some team like you know what i mean like the rules vary depending on the team and the matchup so either way i'm waiting for the game and they totally fucked us in the only recording time that they could have because if it was an eight o'clock game we even record before that but no it was afternoon worst timing ever what else aside from just like staring at the clock waiting for the Steelers what else have you been up to nothing watching dumb tv you know what we've been watching a lot of is like on Pluto the free tv network we like um have been watching a lot of cops like okay. they just have like a cops channel and you know we were big fans of like live pd and stuff but I forgot that cops is like the highlight reel of live PD, right? Because, like, live PD is like, oh, okay, like, you're, like, you know, watching live for that night. So, like, crazy shit could happen, but it doesn't always happen. And, like, most of it's kind of routine. Whereas, like, Cops is like, oh, no, they're going to show you the craziest shit possible. Well, we talked about Cops earlier this year. I think you were going through a Cops phase earlier this year because I had watched – I listened to a podcast called Running From Cops. It is – amazing how manipulative and manipulated that footage is oh i'm sure they just harassed people like the 
not that I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, like, Cops was canceled for a reason, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it was on for 20 years or whatever, but, like, they harass people to get the footage. Like, Live PD, I think, is weird and interesting in a way that, like, they also harass people and it's also edited and whatever, but, like, there's something different. Like, Cops is literally, like, 80 hours of footage for, like, a five-minute segment. It's like, how, what? Like, it's, yes. it's crazy how much they shoot. I think, have I told you, did we talk about it even on here? Did you know that there's an X-Files episode called X-Cops, which is an X-Files cops crossover? No, no. It's That's amazing. so cool. It's so what really is it good. like, is it like they have to like fix the footage that they had or something? Or no, like... so they, so the, the Mulder and Scully show up on like, on the set of cops. Like they just get called in, like there's cops re- responding to an incident, but also the FBI, like the, you know, the X-Files are there, like Mulder and Scully are there too also because they got called in too. And it's these two different groups trying to navigate this like weird stuff going on in this town mm. it's like a later season like season seven or something but like it's a great episode so like That's it's really also cool. standalone like i would say if you want like a like the weirdest episode of cops you'll ever see yeah. uh, x files is on hulu go check it's season seven something something episode something yeah that sounds cool live pd got canceled too right like, are they showing reruns of that at all no know. or no i don't think so i haven't noticed it it's gone it's gone from my lexicon at least anyway so anything else that you guys have been up to no that's it hanging out did you start the queen's gambit or no no we didn't rachel um i introduced rachel's parents to supermarket sweep instead because we had been day drinking we played some trivial pursuit you know the queen's gambit was going to be a little heavy for like diluted brains so we watched uh some of the leslie jones supermarket sweep which they really seem to enjoy well i watched all the queen's gambit this weekend and it is really really good i don't want to say it's like predictable but it's the kind of show where like you kind of know what's going to happen yeah yeah and that i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like uh they're not breaking new ground here in terms of storytelling but i think it's a really well done show it's very watchable anya taylor joy is great in it a lot of people in it are really really good so i do recommend it. it's only seven hours seven episodes i also finished two quibby series I watched Dummy, uh, which I was talking about last time, which is good. Yeah. And I watched The Stranger, which is not good. So don't watch The Stranger. Of course, he lives on elsewhere. Is The Stranger like a video of a guy sitting on his left hand and then rubbing one out? Oh, boy. No. But that Come on, that's be... a good joke. Come on. You you mm. listened. No, but I knew where it was going as soon as you said sitting. Like, I just, it's just <laughs> waiting for the dominoes to fall. Uh, no, this is a video or this is a movie length series, 13 episodes of like six to nine minute, whatever. Of Dane DeHaan, Micah Monroe, who I know from It yeah. Follows and the Guest, and she was in At Any Price with Zeph. Yep. Uh, they're in this, and it's, you know, not great. But, you know, not everything can be a winner. No, oh, I watched that movie about dying mall. Remember, we, we talk about dying malls in here a lot, and I told you there's a documentary that came out this oh. year called Jasper Mall about a dying mall in Alabama. Okay. It's on Prime. I watched it. It's just a bummer, man. Like, I don't know what I expected, but it feels like manipulative, kind of like, look at these poor, sad Alabama people that in their nothing. dying mall. It's like, yeah, like that's, and this is all pre-COVID too. Like, it's like that mall is definitely dead now. Like, oh, it's yeah. just it's just a bummer to watch and like you know like a documentary usually has like an angle or like a scope or like a point of view like i don't know what i don't know what it was here it's like kind of humanizing but like i already feel bad for these people like it's like i already i'm I'm aware yeah that they're in a in in a in a kind of isolated in a way type of place and your mall was probably your great uh entertainment source for varying reasons and you lose that Anyway, we have a Patreon page in the show, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenen, Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Yes. 
Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Big, exciting-ish changes coming to the Patreon page in the new year, so stay tuned for that. We will detail those, I think, on the tune-up relap recap in a couple weeks. Mm. But all good things coming over there. Um, we also have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me and Joe. We have six emails. Jesus. Today. Well, we haven't had it in a couple days, and then everybody, the floodgates opened. Yeah, it's a, it happens sometimes like that. So first up, from Jerry Robinson, subject line, Spider-Man 3. What up, Jerry? How are you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Sar- oh, so, okay. Backstory to this. So Jerry sent a video to us on Instagram of him in his car. Passing him on his left was a Ferrari. And I just oh. said, smoke him. And he just said, I'm in a Prius. Also, it's a work car. They they, they will call me if I go above 70. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, maybe don't. I want to. I can't for many reasons. Here are the reasons. Yeah. Um, so he says, sorry, I couldn't smoke that Ferrari I sent you on Instagram. Again, I was in a Prius. But in our minds... We smoked him like Brian passing Ja Rule. Oh, yeah. Monica! <laughs> Spider-Man 3, I loved it, but it could have been a lot better. Keep the symbiote scenes in Eddie Brock, but not attach it onto him. Save it from the mid-credits scene, MCU style. Setting up four with Peter versus Eddie in two rounds, and five with Carnage or the Return of Green Goblin with Spidey and Venom teaming up. Ooh, I like that. That that plays well. I like that. Yep. Let three be Spider and New Goblin versus Sandman. Still keep the ending where Harry dies. My favorite actor in the, in the Spider series was Willem Dafoe, by the way. I agree with you, Joey. I want that big-ass oil painting of Willem Dafoe, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with Nate with a lot of things, especially with Toby a perfect Peter, Andrew a better Spider-Man, and the movie struggles and Tom being a good both in between. Yes. When it comes to Mary Jane, Kirsten Dunst, Gwen, and MJ, Zendaya, I'm team MJ because of weed. Okay. On a serious note, one of Ileana's cousins ending up testing positive for COVID. Oof. No. So I'm getting tested tomorrow, while Ileana and her brother Adrian are getting tested on Wednesday. So good luck to both of you, all of yeah, you. Yeah, all of you. Seriously. I don't think they... he's emailed again, so give us an update, Jerry, please. Our moms are freaking out while we're actually remaining calm and not letting it get to us. That's all I got for now. Back to quarantine. Be fast and never last. Hope you're okay, buddy. Seriously, man. This wave, I don't even want to call it a wave because it's the same continuation, but this is already way worse. Like, I think it's hitting closer to home. Like, I know so many more people who have been got it or are sick in another way or have family members with it. Like, living near New York, I knew a lot of friends of friends and stuff had it the first time but this uh it's uh it's way it's it's worse it's worse so it's getting colder like you, it's going to spread worse people are getting a little complacent right i mean not saying that that's what happened here but you know it, it is happening my work is very very scared good luck to everyone and hopefully you're still all staying safe so yeah yeah next email from hector till the sweat come down my balls to all yeah These from the females crawl yeah. yes Yes. The censored version. Hey guys, man, I love the Spider-Man 3 episode mostly because of Nate. He's so funny, especially with his butler impersonations. I might be in the minority here, but y'all should make a whole lap with him. Hell, if I had to contribute money every month, I would donate $100 just to make it happen. Then again, we have nothing but time. Gotta go. Stay fast. Stay furious. Well, we we kind of are doing a lap with Nate, but you just gotta piece it together there, bud, because there's like someone post-wrestling, Yep. and then he comes and does episodes with us. We're going to get there. It's not going to be like one straight through lap just because of like how it plays out. And like, you know, obviously we don't want to steal his stees with like the rock ones. If he invites us there, we'll eventually get through all the movies with Nate. And he's a great guest. So I love having him and I hope that we get him back as often as possible. So, yeah, we've done two with him on here. I mean, movie number two. We did five and six on his show. We're doing seven in January in his show. We'll yeah. do eight in Hobbs, I'm assuming, next year sometime for his show. Maybe not next year, because, like, he's got a lot of movies in between, so. Yeah, he does, he does, he does. Maybe eight toward the end of next year? I know, because he only does one a month, and then he obviously came back for Spider-Man 3, so. 
I would love, I thought it was a neat, he's like, glad, I, you know, I had a great time, glad people are enjoying it, always fun to talk with you guys, or something like that, so. Cool, yeah. Shout out, Nate, thank you, you're always welcome here, of course. We had a lot of, we had a lot of people that I, you know, we've had a, a great rotating cast of characters. I think so, On the too. show, so. Next email, also from Hector. This proves how dangerous racing actually is. Hey guys, I just watched the Formula One Bahrain Grand Prix, and holy shit, what the hell did I just watch? Please look up Romain Grosjean Crash and watch the first video. So hold on, let me find this. Yeah, um, my buddy was just telling me about this on Saturday morning. I think this had to be Saturday, right? This was posted on the 29th, which was, yes, uh, maybe Sunday. It just, it just, like a car just explodes. Like he, he runs into a wall and just explodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walked away. Yeah, dude, these new, that's what I was saying. These new, like, security features, I mean, like, sorry, safety features and stuff, like, bless him, man. It just disintegrates. But that's how they're designed now, right? Like, they're made to just, like, absorb all of the impact. God bless him. Glad that he walked away. That's awesome. But yeah, racing is crazy. I, like, I, it's definitely dangerous. Like, you're in something trying to go as fast as possible, as light as possible. All right, well, thank you, Hector, for emailing in. Next email from Montez, because I was talking to her about something else. So I was like, where are you in Too Fast? We haven't had nothing. She's like, oh, I've been working on the email. I'll send it to you. So here we go. Okay. Catching up thoughts. Started this email weeks ago and never got around to sending it. She says, the yesterday hypothesis makes so much sense and definitely tracks. I've seen that movie, I don't know how many times, and now thinking back, it works on so many levels. That was my friend saying about, remember that whole thing about yesterday, the Beatles movie? Yes. Talked about with Justin. I can't wait to watch Tammy and the T-Rex, or I will add Tammy and the Teenage T-Rex. Yes. For my FaceTime movie Friday. Ooh. And it's a, it's a, it's a fun one to watch. There's... T- there's a lot of weird shit that happens in that movie. She says, UK Skins was amazing. Also where I fell in love with Kaya Scolidario. Who oh, you same. Effie forever. That's She's like my permanent girlfriend, even though she's married now and has a kid, I think. And one of my favorite, favorite actress girlfriends, for sure. She says, Montez says, your name was wonderful and I cried. No surprise, I cried everything. I still haven't seen Weathering with you. Yeah, they're both good. Weathering with you, I think, is now on Blu-ray since we since we spoke about it probably, or maybe we spoke about your name. I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from. This is again like Montez like ranking or writing down movie titles and fire SOs, but not ranking them. It's like I don't have context. I don't remember. <laughs> we did 150 of these. Exactly. Thank you, Wes, for the Charles Manson Brian Wilson connection. I was yelling that to my phone and glad someone else said it before I did. Okay. okay. <laughs> Holy crap, the stay at home has been so long, I completely forgot I also watched Tiger King. Yeah, Tiger King was like right when the fucking pandemic started. It feels also like it was 45 years ago, so yeah. But don't worry, there's still the Nicolas Cage movie coming out where he plays, or TV series or whatever, where he plays Joe Exotic, so. I don't know. That feels like that's something that should get that should get canceled, right? You would think. Right, yeah. Lego Masters was so fun, and much like Rachel, I never played with Legos unless I got to go to a friend's house that had a little brother, and that's all I wanted to do. You know, that's probably why I don't have any friends, because I'm that weird kid that went over just to play with your brother's toys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like Respect it. Respect for admitting it, sure. That's, yeah. She says, agree the Jumanji sequel wasn't that great. Like, like Jumanji 2? The, I after think the, reboot? the new one, the next level, like the third one. Yeah, I mean, they're enjoyable. And the one you're going to enjoy the most, your reactions to F9 are making me want to watch the rest of the movies. It only took 70 plus episodes, but I have so many more episodes to go, but I've made it to April 2020, Heart Montez. Oh, so she's like in pandemic times. Yeah, that's right. Okay, because she said Tiger she's King. Past Tiger King, yep. Yeah, exactly. Cool. 
glad that you're gonna finally, finally, finally gonna watch the movie. She got a new TV, and she said that she was calibrating it with Hobbs and Shaw because it was on TV, and her husband was groaning. I was like, well, you know, it's like number one, one of them is always on TV. So like, no matter when you buy a TV and you want to calibrate it, one of these movies is always on TV. But number two, good choice. I used like some kind of fun time YouTube video to calibrate my TV, and it worked out pretty well. So I didn't even have to buy like any goofy glasses. Like you know, you can buy a calorimeter and all kinds of other fun toys that are expensive for no reason but like you can also just use a there was like a youtube video that you like used and then there's like two pictures and it was like use these two pictures and i did that and i was like okay we're good next email from alex ellen and subject line so i stumbled upon a theory i didn't even think about dot 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 kick it to us i want to hear it dot 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 and it was dumb as hell Alex, he killed Joe. He killed Joe. He was vaping, I'm guessing, and just he coughed up all the smoke. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what meme happened. came up in one of the car groups I'm in on Facebook, and apparently there's a whole group of people who think that mechanic Dom almost drops the engine block on in four is the same character as Leon. Seriously. That's what they think happened to Leon. FYI, that mechanic's name is apparently Virgil. Which, if you'll remember, that guy is basically like, say hi to your sister for me, but like in a yeah. derogatory, like, or, you know, whatever. Also, like, he that's not how Leon... Vastly different. Dumb. It, weird. Okay, cool. Like, how do these people... Do you have to, like, go in there and be like, it's not the same guy? Like, this isn't funny because it's not the same guy. I think it's just like, oh, boy, like just, you know, yeah. SMDH. Last email from Wells Lamont, subject line F8. What the up, parkour Wells? in the jail scene is epic. Hobbs sliding off the second tier and bouncing off the fence and landing on his feet was pretty cool. The give and take between Hobbs and Shaw is so good in this movie. It's why I love Hobbs and Shaw the movie. Can't wait for Hobbs and Shaw 2. I know I dropped it in my newest order, but it's hard, and I was trying something new. It's like choosing your favorite child. Exactly. Why didn't Dom tell Letty to just back off and let him do his job? I know he was instructed to tell nobody, but who cares? I guess we needed a movie, so it had to happen this way? (laughs) Yeah, in fate, yeah. Because Dom could have easily been like Letty, like winked at her and been like, sorry. You know, or something, you know? Quote, we've been in here four hours. My ribs are showing. I don't know about y'all, but I'm out of here. This line was upsetting. It seemed as if they were setting us up for, I don't know about y'all, but I'm hungry. Which would have been the third time I'm hungry line from Roman in the series in three different movies. It's the little things, you feel me? Yeah, they, f- they fumble the bag all the time on us. They don't watch the earlier movies, I don't think. They, wa- they write them, and then they're just out of the brain. They need us to, like, spice up the scripts a little bit. We should get, like, early copies of the scripts and, like, add in more, like, fast connections for them. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no either. When they all guard Dom with their cars from the fire, cinematic perfection. <laughs> yes, it is. That's all I have for eight. I was trying to watch every second because it had been so long. I was enjoying it so much. I wanted to keep the good feeling going. Nice. Yeah. It, but when we revisited eight recently, I told you if I found a whole new scene that I forgot existed. Someone should make a movie where they take away the movie part and make everything as realistic as possible. Take away the parts that have to be there for the movie to exist. Here's an example, maybe not the best example. There's definitely better examples I could give. Die Hard. John McClane never gets to Nakatomi Tower. Han's plans go smoothly. They get away with the German Barabons. 20 minutes in, we're in, we're out. Cut the credits. There's the exit. Get out of the theater. See you next time. <laughs> what? Anti-climax movies? Not even anti-climax, because that would be something. It's just like a John McClane flies to LA, waits for Bon, you know, waits for Bonnie Bedelia at his, you know, Holly at her house. Uh, she's like, hey, crazy thing happened at work today. Wow, okay. End of movie. This is budget boys level YouTube channel thinking. And this needs to be done. Cause you could just like ruin a bunch of movies like this. Like, oh, like you've got mail. It's like the first email gets rejected. 
they just don't become pen pals and like life goes on or whatever the fuck happens you could do this for a lot of these i think people would really enjoy them like two three minute movies of just like ruining a movie it'd yeah. be great and ruining the new way in a new way yeah in a new way like you don't make it worse you just change the story so that nothing happens just make it boring as hell yeah <laughs> It sounds great, actually. It says, Trilogies always start out with the main characters hating each other, and it really broke my heart in Harold and Kumar, the Christmas special. 3D, by the way. I never saw that. Neither did I. I saw the first one, and I was like, I'm good. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm really bad with stoner comedies. We've talked about this before, that like I don't yep. do well with stoner comedy movies. So Hit or miss for me. Sometimes yeah. I love them, sometimes I don't. Okay, bros, peace out. Until next time. P.S. So I haven't been in Rasputin since the pandemic, but they opened back up three or four months ago. They obviously require a mask, but they take your temp with a forehead thermometer before they allow you such great deals and selection. (laughs) Seems safe enough, but I'm so little wary of doing something that really isn't that important. I'm sure I'll eventually get there, and I imagine I'll be stockpiling a gang of DVDs, deals all day. Either it's going to be empty because, like, a lot of people were buying stuff to, like, have media during the pandemic, or they're going to come out of the pandemic and they're going to be like, I watched Frozen 7,000 times in the past nine months. Give it to Rasputin and trade it. You know, yeah. I feel like it's gonna be one or the other. Every pizza at the beginning of Home Alone had olives on it, in spite of it being a house full of kids. What the fuck? Yeah, that's a good point. Jesus. Maybe kids love olives. I mean, it's Chicago. Who knows? No, no kids love olives. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you all for writing in emails. That was a great email bag. Doesn't even have to be about the movies, as you just heard. It can be about whatever you want. Family at CageClub.me. Joe on the streets. News about the Fast and Furious, you found something. I, I got something from, from Jason. So as a quick backstory before I, I'm not even, I'm going to let you say what it is, but you sent me a message on Facebook that my first reaction was, I guess Facebook Messenger fucked up and these messages are from months ago. Because like what you sent me made, <laughs> made no sense to my brain. What you just said made no sense to me. I was like, wait, what? Like I, because what you said, the, the sentence you said was very straightforward. We're recording tonight. You might want to watch the Spy Racers trailer. There's a lot to talk about. Wait, what? Spy Racers? And he said, yes, yeah, season three. And I was like, what? Spy Racers Sahara coming the day after Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a new season of Spy Racers in a couple weeks. So I think what's going to happen, and again, you know, best laid plans of Mice and Men, I was talking about how, like, faded it was that the lap next lap was going to end, like, right at F9. Who knows? But after our current lap ends on 1-1, I think we'll do two episodes back-to-back that week. I think you and me on Tuesday will bring in Nico and Kevo, assuming they want to do it on Friday, and yep. just a full week of Spy Racers, because... What the fuck? Like, come on. What? Did you watch the trailer? I did. So Echo in charge. Love that. Yes, we called that, right? We were like, Echo was, I mean, not that it was that hard to cast, but Echo was becoming Mrs. Nowhere. Because Mrs. Nowhere and, oh, what's his name? Gary. Gary are lost in the Sahara somewhere. They go down. Rafaela is back. She's somewhere in the the desert. There's all these different people that are down the the desert. And the first guy, the guy that owned the casinos in the first one, he's I don't know what's going on. Like, this... It almost feels like a end to a trilogy. Like, you know... It does kind of feel like the end game, right? Like, they, like, built... Because there's, like, old bosses and a new boss. At one point, they drive a car into a sandstorm. Da-da-da-da. Again, we just talked about... I know. I was just, that's what I was saying. Like, we just talked about Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Yes. If they don't play the rude here... I don't know that we're ever going to get in one of these movies. I hope to God we do. I don't think they have the money for like the licensing in Spy Racers. I think that I saw uh, Frosty has a new friend. Speaking of Frosty, kind of, uh, Froyo is back. They reference Froyo, so maybe Froyo will play a bigger part in this than they did in Season 2. Yeah, and we need, um, what's the drink called again? Yoka, 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 Yoka. 
Yeah, we need Yoka to come back. Okay, so we got Froyo. Definitely is a big reference. And we didn't see the the blonde girl. What's her name? No, we did not. She's not in it. Because, like, she was kind of... Like, it's like they were writing her off. But I don't know why you would need to. Layla. They don't have Layla Layla. We got Ms. Nowhere briefly. Shashi and Tony. And Tony's like, the Toretto gang is back. But, like, they cut away. It's like, I very clearly is going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, Echo's in charge. Like, it's like, you're you're nothing, Tony. Like, stop. Yes. Which is really drop of the trailer. We knew that we wanted Echo in charge. And that she was positioning. So that's very, very cool. But, yeah. So coming up December 26th, Spy Racer Season 3. Spy Racer Sahara. So I guess two more episodes left just when you thought we were out. Pull it back in. <laughs> it means we're hitting at 50 episodes this lap. We are going to end at 48, and we're going to get up to 50. So Jesus, yeah. dude, I want to know. We talked about this before, but like, I want to know when the fuck they're making these Spy Racers episodes because they're like they have to just be in constant production. Like this is the this is the Spider Man Sony thing going on that like something's always in production. But I don't even think it's that. Like I had a theory, and then Nico and Kev had a different theory, and it turns out that we're both wrong because we they didn't think we we're going to get any more. We weren't sure if we were going to get any more. I didn't think it was going to happen this soon, but like I guess they're just churning things. Out. I don't. And this feels like a wildly different from the trailer, at least a wildly different setting. So it's not like they had like leftover from a previous season. It's like oh, this is all brand it's called new. So. Yeah, so they're like in the desert. Is this our first time in Africa in the franchise? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I hope they just dr- I hope they drift around a sphinx or something. They have dune buggies in this, which you know this leads me to believe that F nine was coming out and that we got the, the the spoiler peak that they're going to Morocco. They were like, oh, they're gonna do desert stuffs in nine, so like let's put desert stuffs in this. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Any other news about the fast? I mean, that again came out of nowhere. That's just how it's gonna happen now, I guess. But anything else of note uh, no. about the news in the world of the Fast and Furious? No, nothing else. Thank you, Jason, for sending that in to us because we would have totally m- missed it as of today. Oh, I will say there was one other minor thing that isn't about us but could kind of sort of maybe impact us one day. Warner Brothers is considering sending several films to HBO Max, including Judas and the Black Messiah, a biogra- biographical drama starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. So Daniel mm. Kaluuya from the star of Get Out, but also was in Widows This Lap, and Lakeith Stanfield oh, right. uh, from Atlanta. Denzel Washington's crime thriller The Little Things and the Tom and Jerry movie. Okay. Warner, HBO Max, it's all in the realm of like sending things to VOD that were meant to be in theaters. And different studio than Universal, of course, different platform on yeah. HBO Max as opposed to Peacock or whatever. Yeah. But movie theaters are looking at what we're seeing, you know, spikes and vaccines coming but who knows how the vaccines are going to work and people are not going to want to rush back to the movie theater right so mm-hmm. they're going to unload a lot of i think probably smaller and middle and whatever and obviously wonder woman 84 but the more this normalizes the more likely it'll be that uh, we get f9 on vod quickly ish i know i'll be excited all right jody final thing to do before we take a break and talk about seconds is to talk about the deleted scene in the first movie the first fast and furious brian and jesse outside toretto's garage Hey Jess, what are you doing up so early? Morning. How you doing? Dude. I've been up all night figuring this shit out. It's a dish in the trailer. I'll be right back. You hang tight. I'm gonna take a piss. So in the scene, Brian arrives at DT Precision Auto Shop in the morning. Jesse, working on a car, tells Brian he's figured everything out. Then Jesse leaves to, quote, take a piss. Super yeah. Cool. <laughs> 
So do you think, my question that I did not think about when we watched the first time is, do you think that Jesse is in one of those like OCD-esque fugue states where he kind of forgets that he has to drink water or go to the bathroom until somebody like distracts him? Like, I'm sure that everybody to a certain extent on something is just like, they're so locked into whatever. They're like, oh, right. Like I need to like, I'm a human being. I need to take care of like bodily functions. Like, I do you think so. this would happen or just a coincidence? No, I think that, I think that they're, they're uh, trying to exhibit his ADHD and saying that he gets like so hyper focused on cars and engines that you're right. He t- like when Brian snapped him out of it, he was like, oh God, I need to drink water and pee. Speaking of drinking things, you made a note. I think you made a, a good uh, clarification, but they're both holding something. So Brian shows up with a little brown paper bag. I'm wondering, tuna sandwich, maybe? Well, no, he usually eats the tuna sandwiches with Mia. Like getting it to go would like kind of ruin his, you know, trek there. Well, I think that we've only seen him eating them with Mia before he was with Mia. But now that he's with Mia and in with the crew, he doesn't need to eat it there. Maybe even better, she like now packs him homemade tuna sandwiches and he doesn't even need to buy them anymore, which is like shitty for Dom because that's like his only customer, right? So So he's got a brown bag with something like he's bringing lunch to the shop because Jesse's in the same shirt, the fall national shirt that was in minute 39. Yes, which is not something I know off the top of my head as much as it sounds like I do. I looked it up. The same shirt he's wearing when Brian drops off the car that they're going to fix up, Dom's 10-second car, right? And when he so, goes, like, here's how we could do it, right? Isn't that yeah. the – he shows him the zip drive, the – sorry, the floppy disk of, like, we can make it orange and green and whatever, right? Yep. It's within 24 hours of that, so maybe that's either – because clearly if Jesse stayed up all night working this car, he didn't change his shirt. So either the day after that happened or the morning of that happening, but it feels like Brian probably dropped the car off. Then Jesse's been working on it all night. And this is probably the morning after I would imagine. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. That sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds about right. Jesse's holding what I thought might be a, like an energy drink or something, but you think it's something that's different. You think something maybe a different. I saw that when you said it, I looked at the car, like it's sitting on the car. And when he picks it up, you see that it has like a cup holder shape at the bottom. So I think it's more of like a Chrome kind of like thermos coffee cup. Which, I mean, could have energy drink in it, but I'm guessing he's just, you know, guzzling coffee. True, 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 true. you think that's more, does it look like that to you when you, like, checked it again or, like, thought about it? Again, if we had any kind of video resolution on these scenes, we might be able to know better. But, so blurry. You know, one the reason the scene was cut and the reason that we don't have like a final, you know, 1080p or 4K mastered version of this, that Rob Cohen said it wasn't needed. It's so much better to start with the design of the Supra and the computer and his explanation of the options. We don't need this bit of stall. But I'm also wondering if like the side of the building that we see the DT Precision Auto, I mean, it's just a building. Like not that they're going to do more work, but it just seems so like under designed. It's just like a big old plain wall on the side. It just feels it's like a garage. Yeah. But I feel like there could be something like it's just it's a boring shot to look at and we see it in the other in the other thing too like that he uses that intro dt precision auto cut down shot again so maybe he repurposed it yeah okay he left this whole scene in. you would see it twice within like two minutes right and you'd be like okay cool like we're here again got it uh what else did you notice in the scene because again this is the third scene in a row where there's no music and we have the dialogue that you just heard but uh what did you notice in this in terms of cars or other stuff there was a couple cars a white 
truck that might be a GMC truck, but again, I can't get any resolution. It looks like that. That's what I would guess that it was, like a late 80s, early 90s GMC, but it's kind of small and weird shape. There's a, a full like Winnebago camper across the street behind Brian at the okay. whatever store is across the street as Brian walks in. Oh, and on the side of that building, I, I like I tried so many times. I really think it says Cellos, C-H-E-L-O-S apostrophe something, but I, I, couldn't, okay. I couldn't read it because it's blurry, but like I, I had to watch it moving like 15 times like you know like normally i stop stuff right because it's like clear and you just yep. have to get the stopping no i don't watch this moving 15 times but one of the most interesting things for me is that you see the silver campers in dom's lot yes and these are, are these the ones that you think they park at race wars i absolutely think so do the math jesse says oh i have to go take a piss and when he says that he gets up and walks towards the camper do you think that Jesse is living on the lot in Ooh, one of the campers? That would be sad, but maybe. Why is it sad? I think to live on site where you work is like a very close, because he you know, doesn't have a very expansive world. I think that that's an enjoyable place for him to live because he seems he really enjoys working on cars, right? Because he has the ADHD, engines make him calm. It's not like he's living and he doesn't feel like he's like mooching off the Toretto's by living in their house. So, okay, he lives at the garage, and also he has his own space. True, true. So I think in the grand scheme of things, it's like Jesse is homeless, or he lives in the camper on the Toretto's lot. It's like, camper on the Toretto's lot's not bad. That's fine. So maybe he was living with his dad, and his dad went to prison, and he's just like, Dom, I need a place to crash. And Which would make sense, and then in, the, in that sense, it's actually pretty cool, right? Like, yeah. I can't take care of, like, I can't pay rent, I don't have any money, and Dom's like, here live here, I'll pay you under the table to do car work, and that's like, oh, Andy's your friend, right? And he's looking after him, so he knows where he's at and stuff, which is True. cool, too. There's that, uh, apparently, people think it was Hemingway, but it was, it's not Hemingway, but there's that, like, uh, story, which is the entirety of a story with for sale, baby shoes, never worn, which is, like, the saddest, like, the shortest, saddest story, which is, like, bought shoes for a baby, the baby Ooh. died before he could wear the shoes, whatever. Um, like, this is, it's just famous, uh, but I'm just thinking about, like, at the end of this movie, after Jesse gets gunned down, Dom putting, like, a four, four rent on the outside of the camper, just, like... <laughs> No, no, because they still use the camper for race wars. That's what I'm saying. So like, it's still ha- he's not like selling it. I'm just saying, you know, he's got he's got like you know, it's like an, uh, a, an apartment over the garage. It's like a you know, we you can you can stay out here. <laughs> oh, you know, God. we have the mad scientist. He's no longer with us. R.I.P. Squirrel. R.I.P. Squirrel. We're never going to be better than this. Anything else you want to talk about in this minute? As much as that one deserved to be cut, that had some interesting tidbits in it. Which I think it's just because we're so in it, right? Where we're just like... We found interesting tidbits in it, yes. Yeah. The next one, the next scene is the trading driving stories, which I think is probably a little bit longer than a minute. This was only 30 yeah. seconds, but it's the shirtless one. Two after that... There's another sort of shortish one. Then there's one after that is the Brian and Mia at the beach, which is like two and a half minutes. So we'll have a lot to talk about with that one. But uh, good stuff coming up in the Fast and the Furious deleted scenes. We continue to go through the movie kind of, even though it's not really the movie, but it's, you know. I really wish they were remastered somehow. I really fucking wish they were remastered. Well, the good news is that, you know, the second movie and the third movie and Hobbs and Shaw. And I think every movie from here on out has mastered versions, right? So Yeah, that's true. They might not have like music or something, but they're mastered. That's you true. can at least see what the fuck is going on. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to squint and watch on our CRT about it. All right, Joe, let's take a break and let us come back to talk about 1966's film from John Frankenheimer, Seconds. Seconds. 
This is episode number 149, Seconds. This episode is brought to you by WineMemory.com. The main feature of Wine Memory for collecting wines is the simplicity of its use. There's just six simple steps to keep the labels of your favorite wines. Detach, attach, preserve. WineMemory.com. Stomp those grapes. Exactly. Well, welcome back to the show. We are now talking about our second John Frankenheimer movie. I think when we announced this or something, some at some point in the, in the past, I said that this was the second John Frankenheimer movie because this guy, this director, would go on to do Ronin, uh, which we covered last lap with the That's Robert insane Niro, to me. Natasha McElhone. To have a career that long, right? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So this was his like prime era. I think Ronin might have been like his last movie or one of his last movies. I can't imagine he's still alive. This is part of his uh, unofficial paranoia trilogy. So like when Nicolas Cage, when we did Cage Club, there are like official trilogies and there's like unofficial trilogies. Like there's his like his action trilogy, which is like The Rock and Face Off and Con Air. But there's also okay. like the Sunshine trilogy that Cage did like three movies early in his career. They're all kind of like rom-coms or like there's the Uncle Francis trilogy because he was in three movies that his uncle Francis Ford Coppola directed. So like there's these like uh, okay. unofficial clumpings of movies that either an actor has been in or a director has done or whatever. But this is uh, John Frankenheimer's Paranoia trilogy because this came out in 66. But before this, The Manchurian Candidate, which was remade, I think, with Denzel like yeah. 20 years ago-ish, came out in 1962. And a movie called Seven Days in May came out in 1964. So this was a, around that time where, like, you know, the walls are closing in on you and, like, people are just, I guess, freaking out in general. Okay. I had never seen this movie. I'd never heard of this movie. Before we get into trivia or anything, what did you think of the movie Seconds? It was pretty good. It was another one of these things where I can see that a lot of modern movies or movies that I have seen took a lot of elements of this movie. So there was a big, long write-up on Letterboxd by David Ehrlich, whom I love, who we talked about on here a lot, that he wrote about how specific Specifically, like no line in Fight Club was essentially not directly influenced by John Frankenheimer's work. Like just the paranoia and uh, I didn't fear of that connection, anger and loathing of material goods. You know what is a life and what is meaning of life and all that stuff. Like I didn't make that parallel at all. I was thinking just purely in the like body swap, face off. Now we have like a lot of technological ones of like, you know, rebirth through technology type situations. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking a lot of like those, but the cynicism of materialism is very Fight Club. Yeah, that's right. Because it's all there to comment on a thing, right? Because the yes, gist yeah. of this eventually is that, like, no matter where you go, you're still the same person, and you can never really escape who you are or what you're, you know, how life is, right? Like, you can have a new face and a new body. So this is about this guy who is in a loveless marriage and just seems like he has a daughter he doesn't really see much, or a son or somebody he has a kid that he doesn't see much. Yeah, daughter. And he just yeah. wants out of his life, and he gets handed a piece of paper and he shows up to this like meat locker, this like warehouse, gets transported to this other place, and it's this company called the company. Company, and they just take a person and they completely do like face off technology and they mm -hmm. change the way that you look and you become a different person. They help set you up in a new life too. It's right. like you, you fully restart. Like they disappear, they kill your old body, you're in the papers, you're dead, there was an accident. And then, you know, you can go somewhere else and you can begin a life anew, you know, however you want to, like, if you were a banker and you didn't want to be a banker, you can pick a new career, everything, you can just start over. And so this guy starts this new life and things seem to be going pretty good for a while. And then he realizes that he's only in a community filled with people who are also seconds, who are people who have, you know, been replaced and they're just all living this you know, supposedly better life. And he's like, I don't want any of this. Like I want out. And he goes back to the company. He's like, I, 
I need a new start because like this isn't working for me. They're like, cool, we got to just sit sit down, wait your turn. And then he meets up with his friend Charlie, who is the guy, the guy who let him in him. on this, like yeah. his old tennis partner or whatever did this before the movie began but he thinks charlie is dead so this guy calls me and says, hey i'm charlie like let me prove it to you here's our memory that only we would have look at this trophy look underneath you you engrave this like i'm me so at the end of the movie he's waiting to be reassigned or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and charlie's there and charlie gets chosen to like get re-seconded or whatever and he walks off and then they they escort him out or he goes to sleep i think that night and he gets woken up by the doctor who's like you know i, I get where you're coming from and uh everything's going to be okay and they take him off whether it's charlie or someone else uh he is he's going to be killed and that his body the rock hudson body the actor yeah. rock hudson is going to be the new vessel for charlie or someone else and so it's a very like be careful what you wish for like just you know be be happy with what you have yeah yeah as I was watching this, I was thinking, and like regardless of the end, if you had the option that that you and I were rich enough to to do this, would you do this? The guy, uh, the original actor is John Randolph. Okay. When the movie was first written, and this is a roundabout way to get to your answer, but when the movie was originally written, it was supposed to be one actor in like old man makeup and then just like young body or whatever. Because he's like a dude who's probably like 65 or 70. Yeah. And then a dude who's probably like 40, right? So he gets like 25 or 30 years younger. And so originally it was written so that it's one actor in both parts and then Rock Hudson. So taking even further step back. So John Randolph, the guy who plays the old guy, I think played Tom Hanks's dad in You've Got Mail, or maybe his grandpa. Like he's an oh. he's an ancestor of Tom Hanks in You've Got Mail. He also plays Chevy Chase's dad in Christmas Vacation. So like he's okay. Clark Senior or whatever. I don't really know him from a ton of other things. I think he's just kind of like a serviceable kind of working actor kind of guy, whatever. But he's also yeah. been in probably a hundred things. So Rock Hudson, do you know him or do you know the name or do you know anything like the significance of Rock Hudson? The name sounds familiar, but I have no, no, I have like no actual facts to tie to it. So he did a lot of rom-coms in the 50s with Doris Day. Um, he was known as this like handsome, hunky leading man because he's just like this, you know, good looking dude. In real life, um, he's noteworthy or like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's the right word given what I'm about to say but he was not out because that was a different time but he was a gay actor and he was one of the first major hollywood actors to die from aids oh so he that's he's again noteworthy is the wrong word for that but like yes. a lot of people know that he was this kind of closeted but sort of out like people knew gay actor who was also like this handsome hunky leading man in a lot of rom-coms like doris day and whatever okay. and so this movie came i don't know if it's the end of his career or toward like whatever but kind of a very conscious self-reflective like this is a different thing like you know what we talked about with Zac Efron a lot like you know he comes up in all these like hunky like he's just the the beefcake and then it's like well like let's do something that kind of puts a spin on that right like it's like let's kind of poke fun at that or like I'm aware of that but like we're going beyond that so like that's kind of what this was the reason I bring all that up is because there's two different actors and so I'm thinking you know if you're 70 ostensibly it's still like your same insides like you're not getting like Rog Hudson's like heart or whatever you're just like it's you're just getting his face and so it's still like 70 year old organs i think and everything just inside like a 40 year old body so like if you do this enough times it's gonna be like a lot of 40 year old people who are like dying of like essentially old age and so yeah to answer your question in a roundabout way i don't think that i would like what i would rather do is if i had enough money and like technology like this existed i would rather get like have new organs or something put into my body that would like sustain my body longer as opposed to just like looking younger but still being the same age 
What about you? I th- I feel like our generation has lost the lust for youth, or we we we're just not old enough yet to maybe even encounter this. Maybe it's like something natural that we'll get to eventually. But I always like reference my parents and their aversion to wearing glasses in the sense that my mom refused to wear glasses for a very long time because she was like, I don't need them. And I think, you know, talking to other people, it's like, oh, well, that's a sign that you're old, right? Like if you have glasses, you're old. And and our generation didn't really have these kind of like stigmas for old age. I like your idea that like if you're no if you're an old person's body, what does it really matter? I don't I don't ever want to look younger. Like I'm fine with how I look. I don't mind aging. I have no problems with this. But on the other hand, if I was like 70 and rich, then you're kind of like beholden to like this age and age group. If I could do this and become 30 or 40 years younger, start a new life, be accepted as a 40-year-old, that's a very interesting perspective for me. And I might have to do that. Well, it's like, it's, you know, I've been listening to, like, I've been catching up on podcasts and I was listening to the end, the, the most recent, which is, again, at the end of October now, uh, but the end of, like, Brian's horror movies. Like, he's doing, like, a lot of vampire things and talking about, like, because he's got the question on this podcast, right? Like, does anybody yeah. look too old to be a high schooler? And he's talking yes. specifically about, like, in the movies like The Lost Boys, which is about vampires, it's like, well, like, the, like you know, or the Twilight movies, right? It's like, well, they're hundreds and hundreds of years old, but they look like they're 20. Yep. It's like, does age, so it's that kind of thing where it's like, you, you want to kind of be immortalized or, like, fossilized in amber at a point where, like, you're happy with the way you look, but also, like, the shit inside's working fine, right? Like, yep. you don't want to be, like, you, you don't you don't want to become immortal when, like, you have, like, bad knees. It's like, well, fuck, like, like sore back and stuff. Yeah. I agree. And, like, you're saying, like, Twilight, like, Edward Cullen could get away with a lot being 20 and, like, young and spry that you can't get away with if you're 70. And just by looks, like, even if he did have bad knees or a, so- a sore back, like, you would just be like, oh, you're young and handsome. So I mean, think about the Irishman, right, where we have, like, the young age makeup and De Niro, 70 years old, playing a 40-year-old, but, like, seeing him, like, kick that guy on the curb, it's like, no, that's a 70-year-old man yes, kicking yes. a guy on the curb. Like, he, like, looks like young De Niro, but, like... He's moving like old in the <laughs> Yes, that's what I'm saying. But like, you know, you could you could kind of hide that, I think, a little bit. Like, if you looked 40. Not because of me wanting to be younger, but for the fact that you could do younger people things and hang out with younger people without the stigma of being an old person with younger people. And like, I guess that's what this movie becomes. It's that, you know, we're going to take care of you. We're going to give you a new life, but we're just going to put you in a community that's filled with people like you. It's like, well, what's the point? Like the whole point of like being yes. young and like getting yeah. a fresh start is like, I get to be who I want to be. But if, if the company is being like, Oh, who you're going to be is like, essentially you but no but like but in like a like an eyes wide shut party where you're wearing a mask and like people don't really know who you are but eventually they're all going to know that like no this is not your original body it's like well what's the point like then it's just it it's even sadder if you think about it yeah, like that that's what i'm saying in that person like from that way once you realize that everybody else that ha- come to the party at his house are all seconds like you guys are all just acting you know like everybody's in on the gag like yeah. it's like this is and that's not what you would want like you're like oh no like i'm an interesting fascinating person i made up my whole backstory but like everybody else is as much as they can be their true selves right so you're like 
well, this is just lame if we all know. Why are we doing this? Like, we should just got facelifts and called it a day. So I was wondering as I watched this and trying to figure out, because this is not really about memory loss, because, like, at the end, like, the final shot is kind of haunting in that, like, he's getting drilled into and he has these memories of, like, a family on a beach, you know, probably him and his, his actual wife, not this, like, plant of a girlfriend. Yeah. But you know, remembering this, like, good memory he once had that becomes blurry as he gets killed, right? Yeah. Okay, so this isn't really about memory loss. It's not really at all Fast and Furious, because, again, it's black and white, it's old-timey, there's a lot of dialogue, there's not a lot of action, there's not a lot of cuts. Uh, Once again, nominated for an Oscar for Best Black and White Cinematography, so that's the second movie in a row. Okay. But I'm like, okay, so thinking about it, like, what if Han is a second? A hundred percent is exactly where I wound up with this. A hundred percent. Why not, right? But I'm trying to think, like, if he's a second, who's the actual person in his body? I don't think that this is far of a stretch from everything that we've seen so far, including Brixton and Hobbs and Shaw. Like, the difference between your body, like, having a different face and your brain being in an animatronic body are not very removed from my from my thinking. Yeah. You it's get what just, I'm saying? It's, like a, it's more mental than physical, but also physical. Your consciousness stays the yep. same, depending on what your physicality is. So for me, I saw, I saw this as like another piece of the same thing. And just because of when this came out, it's just technology, right? Like they weren't into like um, biometric, you know, enhancements at the time. So you're like, okay, cool. So they change faces as opposed to like, I'm a robot inside. Okay. So if we take this one step back or further, I don't know which way, which direction, but like they have Han because like Han is a welcome face. They're like, oh, he's family. He's part of the inside. But if we think about it more sinister, who is in him? Like who would want access? Like Deckard already is in, so it can't be Deckard. Charlize, like Cypher is still alive. So she can't really be her. And we see her in the trailer too. So like we know she's separate. The villain in six is Owen Shaw, right? Which he's still, he's family adjacent enough. Like I don't think he would need to like do some kind of crazy thing the and like Dex could just vouch for him, right? Because he, he also he helped. helped save the baby. Yeah. And he so he's like he's good now, essentially. And then you go earlier, like Reyes doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Braga's just like a, no. a pawn, essentially. He doesn't matter. DK is still alive, but also DK has no like DK doesn't know Han. Or I mean DK doesn't know Dom, right? Like DK doesn't have any like he's far removed. Like Carter Verone yeah. doesn't know Dom. And then you go all the way back to one, it's like Johnny Tram, but like Johnny Tran doesn't need to, like, that's, unless he's, like, the grand master of everything, like, he gets left for dead and, like, swears vengeance, which is not out of the realm of possibility that he spent the last 20 years, like, recovering and becoming, like, you know, I'm going to get vengeance on this family for leaving me to die, but that would be such, like, a weird, like, if each movie has to tell a story that new members can understand, like, throwing it all the way back to Johnny Tran, but, like, He's kind yes. of the only villain that makes sense. This this could be a way to introduce a new big bad, that Han is the ultimate big bad in Han's body because of something like this. And I think that it will be very interesting to get like a total recall moment, and it's like Keanu behind Han. Mm. Like if we're going along the path of like, you know, new face, same guy, voice changing, this new phone who dis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. New body who dis, exactly. But that's a cool play, and we haven't thought of that yet. If it's someone new, then, like, Keanu, but Keanu's body has to also be in it, too, right? Because, like, otherwise you don't have to, like, you're like, oh, that's Keanu Reeves. But it's like, no, that's that's just... Han and Keanu are similar builds. But, I mean, like, you would need, like, you you don't cast Keanu if all you're seeing is Sung Kang, right? Yeah. 
that's exactly where my, my mind went. I'm like, oh, like if this is not because we're talking about, you know, is Han mind controlled? Is Han yes. from Etion? Like, is there more here? But this is like a different of a kind, but a different angle that we have not really discussed because we didn't really know this technology existed <laughs> in the movie. Somebody else's consciousness is in Han's body and that that person was evil or is evil and is using it to infiltrate the family. That's a fucking genius play. That's something that I think would be very interesting to play out in the movies. In terms of what we're looking for, and in terms of having someone like a Keon or like a Hobbs dad or someone, like it feels like mind control would be cleaner. But I also like the like the dedication that it takes, like the face-off technology of it all, to bring them actually literally in so that it looks like a friendly face, but is actually someone evil and manipulative, then like they get face off back into whoever they were or something i don't know yeah because deckard was there and like we don't see what happens to the han's body so that's the switch would be like an easy thing and and if if han shows back up to the family they're not gonna be like is this the real han right like they're gonna pretty much accept him from the jump right so if it's somebody that was there that was like you know if we have like another somebody that was behind the scenes kind of spying on what was going on you know then yeah the cost to do this procedure in 1966 was thirty thousand dollars which if you do a conversion it's like about a quarter million dollars today which is not it's a lot of money but like considering in theory it's a brand new life not that much but he also signs over like all of his assets so we don't know if that's like the cost i had a strong suspicion that the company was running a fucking scam racket in the back, too. Well, like, when he visits his wife, which is devastating, but, like, she seems to be doing okay, you know, right? Like, so it's not like they took her house away. Yeah, that's true, but at the same time, it's, like, his life insurance, his money that he had saved, like, they get, they have control of everything. It's, like, in some trust now, so, like, maybe they're not kicking the wife out of the house, but, like, they could have skimmed off the top a lot more than 30 grand, is all I'm thinking. The behind-the-scenes mechanics of the company were just fascinating to me, like, when the guy is explaining to him, he's like, oh, here's, like, it's essentially because they're like, oh, if you show up here, like you're just in it like we're not gonna let you leave like you can either like do the thing or we'll just kill you like is what you're there's two well, exits like, neither go, yeah neither go back to your re- your real life it's like do you want to live or do you want to not want to live uh like they don't spell it out like that but they're like hey like you're here like this is just this what's happening now like you showed up like yeah. we're doing it but the guy is explaining kind of what it is and then you know they serve him dinner and i, I guess in movies like this you're always kind of wary like oh they probably drugged the food or whatever which no, he gets drugged later, or was drugged already. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you do you mind if I and like he just like he just eats the dinner and like it's just so casual and so nonchalant. Like as he's he's like, oh, this chicken is so good. Like it just it's just delicious. But he's like explaining like how they murder people or then they like fake deaths of other people. Then yeah. they move bodies, but like it's all just over like this guy eating fried chicken or whatever. <laughs> it's like this. It's so weird and just like casual. I just loved it. Yeah, the the chicken scene was definitely one of my favorites too because he's committed to eating this chicken there's a lot of movies even fucking cooking shows like we see like giada take like one bite of something this man is facing a chicken in the middle of this conversation like food in mouth chewing talking with food in his mouth like he's fully eating very interesting choice i thought it was very comedic to me just because it was just like so weird it feels like other movies we have like kind of dark city ish and that like they just have like that or not dark city is like a movie we've not covered that would sort of again be hovering around the ballpark but like 
Tony or Terry Gilliam's Brazil, where it's yes. like the, just the CPS, the Cadaver Procurement Services. It's like that just feels like oh, that, yep. this is the thing. Like oh, you know, that's our CPS division. Like people just work there. It's like whatever. It's like well, no, like, you're just finding bodies. Like that's a that's a job that should not exist. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy. Like the fact you're like, oh, and are they the alive when you find them? Or are they just dead? Like we don't know what the, that part. He's like oh yeah, like the Cadaver Procurement Service. Like that's. And you're like, ah, I don't know about this either. Yeah. We get another dream sequence. What we think is a dream sequence, but we later find out is not a dream sequence, was actually real, um, which is horrifying. But, like, it looked Dolly-esque, and maybe it's just because it's in my brain because we just watched mm-hmm. Spellbound. But, mm-hmm. like, with the weird perspective and, like, things kind of melting and shaping and twisting and, like, just weird that these two movies separated by 20 years that are not even thematically related. Like they're not about memory loss, right? They're not about like, but like similar enough that we both, that, you know, they're both in this lab, but both nominated for black and white cinematography and both with like literal Dolly esque in one and like referential to the other. Like it just, it was so weird to me that like, I feel now it's like, Oh, there's like a pink elephant. Like this isn't real or whatever, but like to have the same kind of melty perspective warping thing. It's like, Oh, like that's very clearly, I think, a reference to not to Spellbound, but to Dolly in general. Yeah. And also, I think it's just of the times that, you know, now we can CGI them up enough to make them feel very unrealistic. And at the time, you're working with stuff that you have to deal in realism just because of the technology, right? So all the dreams feel very strange because they have to shoot them using real people, real actors, real props. So it's like, what is this, you know? And like our brains aren't programmed to be like, oh, that's something weird and different. It doesn't fit in the movie. This is probably like a dream sequence. It still feels like, like, what is going on here? This seems too real. Yep. What seems like the slap in the face in this movie is when he's on a plane to Malibu, like he's going to Southern California, which, yeah. you know, right in our backyard, in the Fast and Furious backyard, you know, going to the PCH, stopping at Neptune's net before he goes to Malibu, I guess. I hope. <laughs> I would hope. Is he buying his own shrimp? I hope so. Um, I mean, I, maybe he can't afford to anymore now that the company controls all those assets. But uh, I thought at first it was just the fact that, like, he went from being this old man who, you know, is probably never seen in public without his wife and just always like a oh yeah, ho-hum, like things are fine, to suddenly looking like Rock Hudson and this, you know, attractive stewardess or air flight attendant is just like, oh, like, excuse me, like Mr. Wilson, like, uh, can I, and like, she's like kind of flirting with him. I'm like, oh, like he like freaks out and he runs to the bathroom, right? I'm like, oh, I think he's just not used to young women flirting with him because it's like he, he, he didn't look yeah. like Rock Hudson, right? But I think it's more like he's realizing that he's now going to be referred to by this other name. Like he is a different person now. Not only just the fact that like this, hot young woman is like hey like can i get you any more or whatever but it's like also mr wilson not mr whatever his name was before it's definitely it's definitely a bit of both you know like this is his first like excursion out where he's not dealing with people that know that he's both that it's somebody else inside his body so that would be kind of hard to grip i've done enough disassociatives to be like that's a weird headspace to be in it would be strange but yes i think that i think that the, the the young woman flirting with him triggered him to start to realize like, oh, yes, it's not me. And then once he has that, he has the existential problem of like, I'm not me on the outside anymore. So there's a real life, surreal, sad development from this. So Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, like the guy who created Pet Sounds and like is yeah. actually, you know, one of the most brilliant minds in music, and then obviously would go on to have like all sorts of, you know, he had mental breakdowns, was on like a very rough life for Brian Wilson. But he went to see this movie in theaters and he showed up late. And as he walks into the movie, he gets like the first line he hears is come in, Mr. Wilson. And so he oh, starts freaking out. He's fuck. like, they're talking to me. And so Phil Spector, who is a producer who didn't produce the Beach Boys, like a rival producer, apparently helped 
back or financially back or support or bankroll this movie in some way. And so he was convinced that Phil Spector was taunting him through the movie. What? And then it was written about his recent traumatic experiences and intellectual pr- pursuits, going so far as to note that, quote, even the beach was in it. There's a whole thing about the beach. And so he was so freaked out about this by this experience and just, you know, this didn't feel like it was all but probably the straw that broke the camel's back. But he would then go on to cancel the Beach Boys' upcoming album, Smile, and he wouldn't see another movie in theaters for 16 years until he saw E.T. in 1982. Jesus. But like, this movie so broke thoroughly him. broke his brain or helped contribute to breaking his brain that he's like, I can't do this anymore. That's a very sad story. And he has lots of aroundabout evidence, right? Like auxiliary kind of evidence, but also it'd be kind of weird to think that there was like 50 people that made this film just to fuck with you. I mean, that's, you know, that's mental illness, man. Yeah. It's paranoia. It, it yeah. plays into the paranoia theme for sure. Yeah. I didn't take a ton of notes. So I was like, this, this movie is a movie that it's a kind of movie that I almost have to watch a second time. Cause like, it's yes, so I weird agree. and in your face that like, I knew that I was not gonna be able to speak about it as well as I would like after having just seen it once. But like by the end, you know, when he's like, I want to do this again, like I want another fresh start, like this isn't working, but I know that the second time, is going to be better it's like at what point do you realize that's never going to be the case like it's never going to be better it has like a very on the nose moral of like grass is always greener right like that's the whole point of the movie it's like you you think that this is going to be such a great thing but like and the doctor at the end he says it he's like we thought we would be helping people and it turns out that like a lot of people don't fucking like this because you're still the same person you didn't really fix what was wrong and it plays well with spellbound in that sense too in spellbound they're always talking about like once you discover what caused the trauma, like, you'll be fixed. And it's like, no, no, you won't. Like, you, you're still going to be something, like, you still have to deal with the shit that's in you. Do you think, and I don't have an answer for this, do you think that the, the people in the company, the ones like the doctors and the executives and whatever, do you think that they're all seconds too? Or do you think that they just had this idea, this cabal of rich old white men were like, hey, let's get richer and wealthier and whatever, and just, you know, prey on the people who are, you know, they, there's a parallel to be drawn to people like who want to uh, donate to a thing to like prove election fraud because like it's their last. They think it's their last glimpse. Like it's like you know easy marks, right? Like, do you yeah. think that these people in this company who are just becoming wealthier by preying off people who are desperate, like, do you think that they're all seconds too, or do you think they're just like, uh, hey, this seems like a fun venture to do for a while? This is a meta take on it um, to look at it and be like, are is everyone in on this? Because of the practicality of that they need to be plastic surgeons, right? They're doing a physical act that is a skill. Um, I don't think that all of them are seconds. I think that pr- maybe like the salesman guy at the beginning, he could possibly be a second because there's like there's like a board and like a business part of this. And because of the answer the doctor gives him near the end where he was like, I really started doing this because I wanted to help people. There might be a division of them that, like, the financial peoples are possibly seconds, also just looking for easy marks. But the doctor portion of it was led to believe that they actually could help people change their lives and make them better. Do you think that they genuinely believe that, or do they just haven't become disillusioned yet? Either you buy in, like, you drink the Kool-Aid, and you're like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened, or, like, there's something that goes, like, there's one time where you're like, 
oh shit, like this guy's life isn't better. Like maybe maybe the way that I've been viewing this has been wrong. Like, do you think the people who are like on board are firm? I mean, again, it's just all just guesswork because there's no there's no right or wrong answer. But like, are they firmly on board in that they're like, yeah, this is we're doing the Lord's work, or they're just like, uh, uh, yeah, I uh, this might not be okay. From what I know from dealing with a lot of doctors all the time, that I think the ultimate goal of a doctor is to make someone's life better. Mm -hmm. So I think that at the core, they believe that I think that there'll be a time when they do become disillusioned with it. And like, you know, there's a point we have to stop, look back and be like, oh, maybe I wasn't doing the thing that was best for them, although that's what they wanted. And if you have a successful case, right, like maybe you have a case where somebody's like, this is totally fine. And I really love this because you have all the seconds that are out in Malibu that are like partying together and they seem to be like adjusted and fine. He seems to be more of an extreme, but the tone that the doctor gives him at the end seems that he's starting to to question if it's ultimately good or bad all the time. Yeah. Do we judge people for getting plastic surgery? It's do whatever makes you feel the best. Right. And sometimes that can go wrong or not be what they wanted later. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but like we had to let you do the thing that made you happiest in the moment, right? So we can't like stop everybody from getting plastic surgery because one person regrets it, right? Yeah. I have some other cool trivia about this, but I don't have a lot of more notes about the movie. Was there any, any other topics, any other plot points, any other whatever? We were talking about Spellbound, and what did I say to you last time? They go to Grand Central. Did you notice this? Oh, I have a great trivia about this, but I know that they're in Grand Central, but I don't, I don't, but go ahead. And I'm like, oh, this looks like Grand Central again. And it's like, oh yeah, it is. Okay. There's no war by war bonds sign. They walk in this time between track 23 and 24. And the on track 24 is a train that says New Haven. Oof. And didn't I say last time, like, I was like, oh, he went to like 22, but like, I think I'm usually 24. So apparently for about a hundred years, they've been using the same fucking track to get to New Haven. And like, that's just like the switch at the end there. So crazy to me. Super weird. Super so there, weird. There is trivia about Grand Central. So they to be able to film at Grand Central without really attracting attention, because you can't just shut down no. Grand Central. No. So what John Frankenheimer did, which this is this might be one of my favorite trivia bits of any movie that we've ever done, he hired a male model and a Playboy bunny to make out, and he hired a duplicate film crew to film them so that people oh. thought, you know, there's this other thing going on. So like, oh, they're shooting a movie at Grand Central today. And then like, oh, look at these two beautiful people making out with a film crew. Like, that's and they're like, all let's gawking. go at them. And then you got, you know, what's his name? John Donovan or whatever. John Randolph. Yes. Like, just doing this thing. Because they, they're not in Grand Central for that much time. But it's like, oh, shit. Like, that's so funny that, like, hire beautiful people, put a camera in front of them. People are like, oh, my God, that, that must be the movie. Like, let me go watch that. This is the, the Justin Lin Tokyo Drift thing where he had a fake director, right? Like, that we've been using this since the 60s, bud. We did the same thing here. But I think that this wasn't, like, to skirt the law. This was yes, just exactly. to, like... What is it? Uh, Kansas City Shuffle. Like you got, you know, you everybody's looking at one thing, and you're really doing it over here. Okay, we we just watched Spellbound, and there was like lots of like it was like a very proper movie. I'm so used to watching movies of now, and I, you know, we talked about this before. I don't think of ratings. I don't think of fucking anything in these movies. If I watch a movie and it swears or has nudity or whatever, it never surprises me. But because we watched Spellbound and it was like very quaint, they had like the the literal quadruple dooring in this movie i'm like okay this is 60s it's not that much different like stuff was still you know kind of proper we get that dream sequence and he kind of like falls on the woman and i was like oh that's that's a little risque right like yep. that's it's a little too, little closer than i expected 
for this movie. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, even to the point where in my notes, I'm like, was that a sex scene? Like, did, did we just, like, see, like, way further than we've gotten before? Then we get to the point where, you know, he has gone to Malibu, he meets the girl on the beach, he takes a walk with her, and she's like, I'm going to San Bernardino tomorrow for a wild party. And he's like, oh, I like wild parties. And I'm like, oh, what is this going to be? A, like, wild party. And so, like, they're, like, traipsing through the woods with some grapes. And I'm like, okay, cool, you know, like, they're going to go have, like, a wine party. That's cool. And then they start throwing the grapes in the thing, and they're like, stomp the grapes, stomp the grapes. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is, like, a little raucous, right? This is a, they, this is a hip party. This sounds fun. <laughs> and then the girls just fucking strip. Yeah. All of them. For like 15 minutes, they're just like nude dancing in this fucking wine press, stomping the grapes. And I was like, I was not expecting that. Like, did you see this coming? No, but I mean, I'm also not surprised by not like indie filmmaking, but kind of artsy filmmaking, artsy filmmaking of the 60s in black and white to be like, oh, yeah, there's just a bunch of naked. Like, there's a lot of boobs. Like, I don't think you see any dick, but like you see like some full frontal from like women briefly but it's a lot of just like naked women like having an orgy essentially not but like not sexual it's just like they're all just getting drunk and like stomping on grapes together and like i imagine like if we stayed on that scene for 10 more minutes like everyone will be fucking but like (laughs) exactly cut in a tasteful juncture but yeah they're just it reminded me of in a way like midsummer with the midsummer dance and they're all dancing around the maypole and like you know uh she's trying to be the last one standing so she can become the may queen or whatever and it starts with just one person like it's kind of in reverse which starts with one person then like oh i'm gonna get in there too and then like they force rock hudson in there too it's just like i don't this i'm not comfortable with this (laughs) everyone else is having a good time and like it's those equal parts and like i was reading a lot of letterboxd reviews just to see what other people were saying about this and like friends who had written about it and like it seems like the two most common themes are just the cinematography overall, like how the movie looks, but it's also perfect, that yeah. scene in particular, because it's like, this is all the emotions. Like, it's just like, it's fun, but it's terrifying and it's scary and it's yeah. like exhausting and exhilarating. And it's just women stomping and then eventually men too, stomping on grapes to make wine, but it just feels chaotic. It does. It, it's, it conveys the feeling of chaos through film very, very well. And I was just like shocked by that. Yeah, it, it's a, it's definitely like a scene and a thing that will stick with me for a while. Like I can't imagine that leaving my brain because I was not prepared for it. It's not like they hit it or it just was like it just popped up out of nowhere. Like they're leading you to it, and I still was like, they're not gonna do it. They're not gonna do it. And then they did it, and I was like, okay, cool. Okay, so then I was like, okay, this movie's a little bit more risque than I thought. And there's a scene where they're at the party later, where he where he drinks and he's drinking too much, and eventually like you know starts to get gabby about that he's a second and he runs into this old lady and she's like we change sex yeah and he's like what? very funny and it's very funny but i was like damn dude this joke would still play today she's talking about religious sects not changing of the sex and she and i was like this is so weird that like again and that, but i was at least prepared for that one but i was like wow good play like <laughs> this pun is incredible yeah and holy shit it, it works and it wasn't like weird or like distasteful or anything like it's just like oh i misheard you it's a pun ha 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 we laugh about it it's okay move along like no comments on it they're just like what okay cool and just keep going yeah some fast connections i saw though were one obviously we get a walk on the beach which felt very letty and dom on the beach Sure. And there's a scene when he has just gotten his his face off, all of his plastic surgery, and they're like, we need to rehab you for some months so that you'll be physically ready 
for when it's time to, you know, release you into the wild. They have like a full like three minute workout montage scene. For some reason, this feels very Fast and the Furious. So I was thinking the movie was like the Matrix in like re- being reborn and everything. And yeah, there's that oh, yeah. one scene in the Matrix where Keanu says, why do my eyes hurt? And Morpheus just says, because you've never used them before. And like they cut. It's like, OK, cool. We get it. like we don't need to see the actual rehab. It's like this is like the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, OK, like it's kind of rocky. It's kind of Fast and Furious. It's like, but we don't need to see him actually building them. Like we would no. get it. Like we just we we would know. Right. Like there's yeah. more more straightforward. But also like it's it's I didn't hate it, but just like, oh, this isn't needed. Yeah. But it was just like the, the physical act of him doing like sit ups and like, you know, benching weights and stuff. I was like, do we ever see Dom like like benching in Fast and the Furious? I don't think we ever see him actually working out. That's a very good question. I don't know that we see anybody ever working out. Like, I don't even think we see, like, The Rock. Maybe at the beginning of Hobbs and Shaw, like, when he's oh, doing Oh, well, yeah, his, so he like, works out the Hobbs and Shaw, and then he also, in the, when he's in Fate, in the cell, he's, like, lifting the sink. He's doing curls like that. Yeah. And he's, but that's The Rock's persona. Like, we never see Vin in real life working out or Dom in the movie working out I don't think I think he's just like it's almost like he wants people to think like that's just what he naturally like that's his body type it's like well that seems crazy but maybe <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying and I was like yeah like we never get like a Jersey Shore GTL session like Vince being like me I'll be at the gym or Dom being like that and then Vince being like I gotta go tell Dom something and he's like at the gym too you think that like both of them would be like spending time at the gym but instead no they just like lift engine or something i was like wait have we never seen anybody working out in fast and the furious like we really haven't have we i guess not i mean you would think that we would because it'd be you know clanging and banging right but (laughs) yeah light work (laughs) exactly let's see here what other trivia do we have so this movie was not well received at all Um, this did not have an audience it's become a cult classic people love it now but in the time it flopped hard i talked before like it's subversive casting and acting for rock hudson because he's going against his type like you know instead of being this like handsome confident he's like this kind of sweaty frenetic mess right yeah but you know, if like a Zac Efron movie like this came, like you, can't, it's not a Zac Efron movie because like people aren't like, oh, let me go see him shirtless. Like if he's like, I can't, like I being hot, like doesn't. You know, it's like this like weird thing where it's like it, this doesn't make Against sense. Against character so, like, type, yeah. Rog Hudson fans couldn't see this movie because it's not the kind of movie he's normally in. The studio didn't know how to market it, and I haven't watched the trailer yet. But like, it, I saw the first three seconds of the trailer, which is like, who are or what are seconds? It's like, well, they, like it just it's asking a mystery that's going to take a lot of time to buy in but anyway it's gone on to become like critically acclaimed and people love it and like you know frankenheimer wasn't on board with rock hudson as the cast because he wanted other people like Lawrence olivier or i think kirk douglas like these like heavier like what like more serious more established actors was like actually in retrospect the guy killed it like he did a great job yeah when they came out people were so upset and they screamed it at con and film critics were so angry about this movie for whatever Why? reason john frankenheimer was nearby in monte carlo filming a new movie refused to go um to con because he's like i don't want to I, I just i don't want to get yelled at like i just essentially i'm not gonna wow. like, it's shitty or whatever so they sent rock hudson instead and so like rock hudson couldn't answer any of their questions and just like had to get like just bore the brunt of it all which is like so shitty like that you know the director like instead of being like let me try to explain my work just like fuck these guys let rock to it. it's like that's <laughs> that's bad yeah just feed them to the wolves out here jesus awful when rock hudson is drunk at the party he got drunk in real life so i guess that was if, if he thought it was convincing acting he was not acting as much as just like actually being drunk the, those scenes make me uncomfortable because i'm always like am i am i that kind of drunk like, do I get that drunk, and am I that annoying? 
And I'm like, hopefully not. And most of the time I'm just drunk with Rachel and she knows that I'm annoying anyway. So Well, the good thing is that when you guys get drunk, you're just annoying together. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we're never like annoying in a crowd where we're like, you know, ruining a whole party and like being assholes and spilling drinks on everyone. We're just annoying to each other. In which case, we're both drunk, and so it doesn't matter. Rock Hudson's five inches taller than John Randolph, who's the guy who plays the old version of himself, mm. and so they did like a lot of camera work and whatever to make it seem like they were the same person. But what was the weirder part is that Rock Hudson was lefty, and so John Randolph had to like figure out how to do like he at one point he like I noticed this after I read this, but like the contract he signs to like allow them to do this, like he signs lefty, but he had to learn how to do a lot of things lefty. But what's it's a weird split because like the first 40 minutes are John Randolph, and like the last hour is Rock Hudson. So it's like almost 50-50. But I guess like Rock Hudson's the star, he's the name, mm-hmm. he's the face, he's whatever. So he's gonna be the like normal or like the groundwork, right? So like yeah. the other guy's gonna have to like adapt to him, but it's just weird to like, oh I gotta learn how to do shit lefty because like this other guy's lefty. So like him signing his name or whatever, just a weird thing about acting, man. And it really puts you it really d- distinguishes the pecking order in the film too right you're like okay well like i'm clearly the second fiddle in this no matter what they try to tell me because i'm doing all those shit like him not him doing it like me so and i think oh and they also hung out together so that rock hudson could learn uh john randolph's mannerisms because like even though so the actor is doing things lefty to like line up with his later actor but like rock hudson is learning how to act like it's like an old man it's, yeah it's such a weird thing because like he's essentially being the old man but the old man is like setting up the young man so like they both have to like learn from one another so it's this weird yeah. cross-cutting whatever you have to be in tune and the only other thing do you know the filmmaker gasper no or gasper noe g-a-s-p-a-r-n-o-e no he did uh enter the void he did climax he did irreversible he's like this very progressive i think he did the movie love um like very just in your face graphic no pushing the boundaries pushing the envelope uh french filmmaker like irreversible is this one that's known because or like what people know about it and apparently it's not what the movie's entirely about but like monica bellucci gets like there's like a 10 minute sequence where she gets raped in a hallway and like you watch it for the entire like it just it's awful but then there's like love which is like a lot of actors having sex actual sex on screen enter the void is like this very trippy drug movie that takes place in i think in japan climax which is like a literal nightmare of a movie that's like unlike anything. So like he's like he's one of very the progressive. best, like in, ag- aggressive and very French and just wonderful. This movie seconds is part of the Criterion Collection. Again, Spellbound was this one is Criterion Collection often bring people into their thing to like you know when they have a new movie that's on the Criterion Collection or whatever they just want to like put out content they like bring them into their like their quote unquote library which is like all the DVDs on the shelves. They're like hey just pick out whatever movies you want to talk about or you want to have or whatever. And the first movie that Gaspar No picked out was Seconds, and he said that one day he will remake this movie. Mm. If you think that the Bacchanalia, the Stomp the Grape scene, is nightmarish already, like let Gaspar No get his hands on it because like holy shit man like that would be next level like paranoia and just insane so yeah that's all i got do you want to watch the trailer yeah i have one more thought Go though. For it. at the end of this movie does it seem like that, that the recruiting process is just a pyramid scheme and it kind of lends yourself to your thought that they're just like looking for marks because like they're like okay like we won't let you out until you find somebody else that'll do this and it's like oh god that's terrifying right pay it forward baby i think that it's more moral that he's like i don't know anybody to do this because he doesn't want anybody else to go through this but you know charlie recruits him 
And so by doing that, they're like allowing him to kind of continue on, right? Because they have another body in the system. Yes. But then like because he won't pay it forward, they're like, okay, cool. Like we 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 need another body at some point anyway. So like we need two parts of this, right? Like we need a new yep. recruit and we need a body. And so like if you can't if you can't give us the one, we'll make you do the other. Exactly. Yeah. The trailer. Uh, posted by KRH Vids Seller, uh, Rock Hudson Seconds trailer, 1966. I'm ready whenever you are. Give me a. All right, three, two, one, play. Who yeah, just what? Seconds? Who are seconds? Right. It's like this kind of like. Again, I don't know what what trailers were like Where back are then, seconds? but seconds might be all around you. Oh, it's no. creepy. It is creepy. Even now. Nice organs playing. And then, you know, the opening sequence with the eyes and the warping reality, warping perception. Yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. Rock Hudson, in an astonishing change of pace, stars in... You see, like, the, the, the astonishing change of pace, like, this is not what he's mostly known for. Uh, like, it's yeah. kind of like McConaughey, right? Where he's, like, the McConaissance was, like, him being, like, I'm not going to do failure to launch anymore. Like, I'm a, yep. I'm a serious actor. Oh, shit, they show you that they're taking their clothes off. Okay. Okay. Wow. Got a lot of this wine party in here. Again, I don't have the context for what life was like in the 60s, but it feels like this probably also might not have been the kind of movie that you saw at, like, mainstream movie theaters. I think, I think that's exactly what we're getting at, that this was, like, an art art house. I don't want you to know that. The dialogue between those two in this scene is so weird, too. As a man who lives the nightmare of a second. Uh-oh. Hey John. hey, John. The first person POV shots are just like also terrifying and unsettling and just oh, yeah. like, where the camera almost shouldn't be. <laughs> yep. Yep. They're like you. They're like you. Reborn. No. Oh, yeah, this is fucking terrifying. This, the trailer makes it way scarier than the movie is, I think. Yeah, the, the movie is kind of like a slow burn, like unsettling. This is like it's a straight up horror movie, like, which I think overall you could consider it, but it's not like, yeah, like this makes it seem like guys are running for his life, which kind of I guess he is, but also not literally. So that was an interesting trailer. I as much as it captures the tone of it, it, I think it's it's way darker than what the movie turns out to be. Like if you were looking for that movie, and you saw this movie, would you be disappointed or would you be okay with it? I would be okay with it. I would just be like, that's not what I thought that was going to be at all. Sure. Okay. So let's play the Letterbox game. So for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most logged films on Letterbox, has been seen by 673,000 people. 673 seconds from 1966, directed by John Frankenheimer, starring Rock Hudson, Salome Jens, or Jens maybe, John Randolph, and Will Gear, has been seen by how many people? Criterion Collection. It's now a cult classic, but I still don't think a ton of people have seen it. I'm going to go 17,000. You're very close. But you gotta go a little, a little bit higher. Eighteen five, nineteen three nine six, nineteen thousand three nine six. But out of those nineteen thousand, average rating of four point oh four. Most common a four, then a four and a half, then a five, then a three and a half. So people love this movie. Yeah. How many people have this in their top four? Six. Way higher. Really? Twenty seven. Way higher. Fifty two. 
way higher. Uh, 75, that's it. 146. That's a ton, dude. I would never have guessed that many. It's funny, to, funny is the wrong word, but it's funny to me how good you are getting the number of people who have seen the movie somehow. I still don't understand how that works. Like, I get, like, I, I hear what you say as you talk it out. It still doesn't translate to me, but you're still not at all, like, either you're like, oh, like, seven. Like, yeah, okay, it's seven, yeah. Or it's like, oh, you're not even close. And, like, the, you've you figured out half this game very well, and the other half seems to, like, be eluding you somewhat. Well, because you have to think of, like, okay, Maybe a lot of people love this movie, but put that into context of, like, it's not new. So I'm thinking, like, it has to be very low because, like, even if you're, like, a film snob, you're going to have something else in there. This is kind of culty. It's a low number of scenes, even though it's loved. I, like, having it in your top four is, like, it. And it's not brand new. So, like, if it's a newer movie, I would have guessed, like, way higher, right? Because, like, okay, it just came out. Maybe somebody saw it, like, last year two years ago, and they're, like, still amped on it. Cool. Never expected 140 people to have this in their top four. So the difficult thing about the next step of this, I went like 30 profiles last night. Everybody who had written a review about this, I had clicked on their profile, and like a lot of them are just like four movies from the 40s and 50s and 60s, and like some of them I haven't heard of, and like very difficult. But I found two people. Theoretically, one is like a little easier, but has one that okay. So I'll I'll let you pick either option A has two easy movies and then one you will never ever guess or option b has three movies that are not as easy but they're all probably possibly gettable i'll go a i want the i want the two home runs and and one uh stumper so the other one the one that we're not playing has the lighthouse seconds lost highway and first reformed so all fairly recent i mean lost highway was in the 90s but you know yeah a couple from the last couple of years four movies that i really really like but we're going to go to eric dobson at eric dobson on letterboxd review from february 2015 holy shit five stars That's okay it. perfect his, his seconds is his number three favorite movie of all time number one is a letterbox top four all-star uh pulp fiction yep perfect uh number two is a movie from the 90s okay that is sort of a spiritual successor in ways i would say to seconds like the sense of paranoia from seconds would carry directly to this memento no that's 2000 earlier than that from the 90s paranoia but it's got another element that it's more known for that's more prevalent but it's the it's what that other element inspires that leads to the paranoia of the film it's not fight club we were talking about fight club nope 90s paranoia give me something else keep talking british okay okay a sequel came out way way later british movie with paranoia brazil no that's earlier way earlier than the 90s yeah it's like 85 i think british movie with paranoia it's the kind it's one of those movies that people say well i'll never watch that movie again but it's still loved so it might not be like there's certain movies that are like oh that that movie fucked me up i'm never gonna see that movie again is it like apocalypse now no that's in the 70s yeah okay british paranoia fuck people up sequel that came out in the last couple of years actually the sequel came out mm-hmm. and not like the matrix because people will watch that over and over again no nope. paranoia in the 90s but english too i don't know I, the english thing is throwing me i can't think the big the big giveaway i would say is drug fueled fear and loathing nope drug fueled paranoia it's also not british yeah i know yeah what the fuck is the british ones oh train spotting Okay. There we go. And then his fourth movie is a movie called Dogtooth. Have you heard of Dogtooth? No. 
Definitely Dog Tooth is made by Yorgos Lanthimos, who did like Killing of a Sacred Deer, and he did oh. um, The Lobster, and he did ah A twenty four movies, yeah. But this was his first one. He's a Greek director. This is from like oh oh nine. Um, cool. Really fucked up. Yeah, he also did the favorite um, Alps. Yeah, that's awesome though. That's an interesting. He's, he's a nice spread there. We've yeah, been, he goes we've from like nice heroin and Pulp Fiction to heroin and paranoia in Train Spotting to just paranoia and weirdness in Seconds to just general weirdness in Dogtooth. Yeah, I like you know I like the spread of time. All right, next week we have two more. We are doing our final regular installment with Nico and Kevo talking about the video game Fast and Furious Crossroads. If you want to follow along at home, there's a three hour and 30 minutes. Like if you have not watched it, there's a three hour and 30 minute play along. There's a couple that are four hours. There's one that I think we're going to go off of three hours and 30 minutes. I don't know how I'm watching it yet because I feel like I remember this more than other things, but I'm probably I going I to remember like, a ton of it and I have a ton of through too. and just remind myself of things i'm gonna try to find like a just cut scenes version the other movie next week we were talking about is one that we have you've you've specifically have alluded to several times this lap we are finally getting to shutter island the oh. martin scorsese leonardo dicaprio doctors on an island right paranoia memory loss thing. yeah are you asking because you've only seen it once yeah so like a decade ago and i didn't love it oh man okay cool i liked i i, I like shutter island and a lot of movies it reminds me of a lot of movies because it's taken elements, I think, from a lot of these kind of movies. So I think I'm going to like it more than I remember. There's a lot of movies that I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. And I watch it again later. I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. But like this one, I just didn't love. But, uh, you know, especially within the context of this lap, having a newfound respect for Leo since that came out. I think oh, I, I might like it Leo. more, but it's Scorsese and Leo. I can't. Yeah. It, right? so. Any other thoughts about uh, Seconds or anything else? Or do you want to close up shop and come back next week? No, Seconds was, was pleasantly surprising. And I'm kind of with you. I feel like I need to rewatch on this one to really fully grasp it. Other than the dialogue being kind of goofy, the movie was very interesting for me. Um, and if you want even more paranoia, the paranoia trilogy of those two other movies that Frankenheimer made, Manchurian Candidate and uh, Closed Tab, Six Days in May or something like that from 1964. Yeah. But you can look up the paranoia trilogy. Not an official trilogy, but all sort of of a kind. Oh, also... This movie, also, this movie looks beautiful because it was Criterion Collection. So, like, if you can get a Criterion Collection copy of it, the film itself looks outstanding. Yeah, and it's streaming in a couple different places. And I think that probably, you know, and I don't think it's on the Criterion channel, but I think it's elsewhere. And they probably have that restored version. So, yeah, and it's great. So, beautiful looking. But for all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast Too Forever.com and come back next week for Nico and Kevo mm-hmm. on Fast and Furious Crossroads and then Shutter Island as we continue our memory loss lap. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you